Hi, Bat Creek Church. It's a pleasure to be able to bring to you the Word of God today. We are going to be continuing on Pastor Carr's sermon series, I've Got the Joy. Today we're going to be looking uh, at the book of Philippians, chapter 2, verses 12 through 18. Let's begin with a word of prayer. Holy Father, we thank you that you have brought us together, though virtually you have brought us together to look at your word, to understand it, to learn and to grow from it. We pray that by your spirit that you will help us to take your word and to apply it to our lives so that we may be changed and that we may live according to your will. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. In college, I loved to go rock climbing. As I began at Covenant College, it was a wonderful place to be able to go rock climbing. And I was lucky enough to be roomed with somebody who was an expert climber. And so as soon as I started at school there, he began taking me on these little uh, climbing adventures. And, and it, was absolutely, uh, it was absolutely fun being able to learn some different things. So eventually we got to a point where he was like, okay, Matt, you want to learn to lead climb? And I was like, okay, let's, let's learn. And, and if you don't know, lead climbing is basically you take the lead. And that means that as you are climbing up the rock, you climb up for a little bit and then you hook your rope into the rock. And then you climb up a little bit further and you hook your rope into the rock. And so what that means is that you're climbing up above where you're anchored to the rock so that if you fall, you don't just fall to where you're anchored, but you fall that far and then that far again. So you're falling twice as far. And so I'm climbing up the rock and I get as far as I can away from the last anchor point just about to the next anchor point. And my roommate yells at me. He says, Matt, let go of the rock. And I looked down at him and I was like, what? He's like, let go of the rock. And I was like, you have to be crazy. And so I keep trying to climb, but he won't give me any more slack. He says, you have got to fall. Uh, and I just said, why? And he wouldn't tell me. And so eventually I let go of the rock and, and I fell probably about 15 feet and I hit up against the rock and then I felt that jerk. And then I calmed down, stopped shaking a little bit. And it's like, you can keep climbing. And so I did. And eventually I climbed the whole thing and I got down and I was like, what were you doing? He's like, you got to get that first fall in. You got to learn to not be able to, to be able to be scared of falling. The point of this story is that often as we are learning, growing, and we are becoming better, it often requires difficulty. It requires challenges like learning to take a fall so that we could come, become better at climbing. Sometimes it's just hard. Other times it hurts. But growth always requires challenges, both physically and spiritually. We are all just trying to find our way through life. And many of us have to learn through the challenges that life offers. 
We can't just take somebody's word for it. We can't just take somebody telling us, this is what you should do, or, or that is the, the best way. We have to learn it for ourselves. So for those of us who are believers, God is going to help us grow because we are his children. Today's message is called Joy and Holiness because it is instructions from, the, from Paul to the church at Philippi to live a different way, a harder way, a, a way that brings challenges in order to bring holiness so that ultimately it will bring us joy. Reading from Philippians 2, verses 12 through 18. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God, without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offerings of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. Today, we are going to consider what holiness is, how we are challenged to be holy, and how holiness ultimately brings joy. So what is holiness? In verse 12, Paul begins by talking about obedience. He says, Just have you, as you always have obeyed in my presence, so also in my absence. This passage specifically mentions obedience and the working out of salvation. However, the question that we are beginning with this morning isn't about obedience, but it is about holiness. What is holiness? Holiness is defined by who God is because God is holy. The simple definition for us might be it is to be set apart as God's, for God, because of the work of Jesus Christ. Holiness is a state of being that a believer is because of the holiness, the holy obedience of Jesus Christ and the work of salvation that he gives through the gift of faith. If our holiness only comes through Christ, then does God demand holiness in our lives? The answer, yes. First Peter says this, therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that we brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. 
since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. God calls us as Christians to holiness. In order to be holy, one must be a believer, because holiness comes from the grace that is given to us by believing in Jesus. But then because we are in a relationship with God, holiness should, or rather will, always show itself in our behavior or our character. J.C. Ryle in his book called Holiness says, true holiness does not consist merely of believing and feeling, but of doing and bearing. This means holiness is the living out of the gift of grace in which God has granted us. So does holiness mean obedience? Yes, but not obedience only. Does it mean belief? Yes, but not belief only. Holiness is the state in which God has set us apart to be different to be different from everyone else, to be different from what the world expects, is to be different because God is different. So holiness says that we are different because we are gods. We are loved because we are gods. We are obedient because we are in him and we work for his purposes because he has purposely worked within us. Holiness is really hard. It is really hard to define because it isn't rooted in us. It's not rooted in people, but rather it is rooted in God and who God is. I would like to share with you a story about a person that I perceive to have this quality of holiness, or at the very least, it's very evident that God is working holiness into his life. In the year 2002, Carla and I were preparing to move our whole entire lives. We were moving from one church in North Georgia, and we we were leaving there to either go into another full-time ministry place or to go to seminary. But we weren't sure exactly what we were supposed to do. So we simply decided we were going to pray. And we were going to pray and that God was going to provide for us the way that we should go. So we had made some plans as as we were praying, and we had some different options, but we still weren't sure exactly what we were supposed to do. So we had a couple of interviews set up in Charlotte, North Carolina. Carla had some interviews uh, at some hospitals, and I had a couple interviews at some different churches. And as we were preparing uh, to make our travels to go to Charlotte, to go to these interviews, I received a, a call on the phone. And it was the pastor of one of these churches who had called me to simply pray before we left. And so we prayed. And then we traveled, and the next day, Carla had an interview at the hospital, and he called us, and he, and he prayed with us before she went to that interview. And then I had an interview at another church, and this same pastor, he called and he prayed with me before I went to that interview. And then the following day, I had an interview at his church. And before I left the house, he called me again 
and we prayed. And I arrived at the church, and the first thing that we did was we prayed. And then we had interviews with, with the committee and with the session, and we prayed at all of those things. And then he took me for a walk, and he showed me the church grounds, and he showed me where his house was across the street from the church, and he took me on a prayer walk through the woods. And all this time, he prayed, and we prayed, and we prayed, and we didn't just pray for us. He prayed for us. He prayed for his church. He prayed for the other church that we had interviews at. He prayed for the hospital. He poured prayer over everything. It was so completely different than anything else I had ever experienced. So much so that I told Carla, this, this is the right place. This is where God wants us because I need to be with somebody and to learn to pray as he prayed. This pastor truly believed that God was real. He truly believed that God was in control and that God was good and that all of his work was good. Holiness is sometimes hard, sometimes hard to define, but holiness is always different from the world. So how does God challenge us to holiness? Now that we understand what holiness is, how are we challenged to be holy? Verse 12 says, As you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Many people use this verse to say that we must work out or work for our salvation. However, this isn't the case. As we have discussed, the holiness comes because we are believers in Christ. Salvation and holiness are gifts of grace. This passage isn't speaking of how to be saved, but more of a continuation of growth or a completion of becoming holy, not without God, but within the absence of Paul. So rather than saying, work out your own salvation without God, it is saying, Paul is saying, because I can't be with you, continue to be obedient. Continue to grow in Christ. The first challenge then is that as the one who has helped them to grow, as Paul has preached to them the gospel, has brought many of them to Christ, and has continued to teach them, the first challenge is that Paul is away from them. And so he wants them to continue growing in their holiness even as he is away. I would suggest today that this is one of our challenges. We are physically away from the church and we are also physically away from other believers. Some of those people are people that help us in growing in Christ. They help us, they help hold us accountable or they help us to be more obedient. They help us to have, faith, have more faith or help us to believe what God is saying. They also help us to do those things that we know that God has called us 
to do, to pray, to read the Bible, and to carry out his mission. Therefore, it may become easier while we are away to slack off, to slack off in obedience, prayer, Bible reading, service, practically loving other people. However, holiness, like character, doesn't stop when our friends or our leaders or our elders are not with us. Rather, we continue to do good things for Jesus because God continues to work in us. The second challenge that we find is that not only are we to continue being obedient or live out our holiness while we are away from one another, but we are also to continue living for Jesus in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. Verse 14 and 15 says, Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as light in the world. No one really has to teach us to do wrong. We don't have to be convinced that there is evil in this world. Wrong, sin, and evil, they're all evident, and they're all evident within us. The Barnabas Center, a counseling center in Charlotte, recently put out an article related to the coronavirus. It is simply called, Coronavirus is Hard. Many of you already know this. You feel the, the reality of this, and you feel it deeply. This article begins, the coronavirus thing is hard. It hits us in so many ways. Loneliness, fear, hopelessness, irritation. I can't see people, and it feels like my net worth feels like it has holes in it. The truth is, this coronavirus thing really is, it is hard, but it really brings light to some of those problems that are just a part of our everyday, natural, real world. The coronavirus thing is hard, but life is hard in a lot of ways. Some people are mean. Some people are actually really, really bad people. Yet Paul says, do all things without grumbling or dispute. What things? What things are we supposed to do without grumbling or dispute? It is those things that we are supposed to do as Christians, following Jesus, loving people, reading our Bibles, praying, continuing to be faithful to him. Why? so that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God in a crooked and twisted generation. Paul doesn't say that if we do things, if we do the things that God wants us to do, that it's going to fix the things. Though some things God will use us to fix. He doesn't say that, that as Christians we need to do these things and it will straighten everything out, though God may use us to straighten some of the things out. 
Christians are supposed to be obedient, to be even more than obedient, to be holy, to be different from the rest of the world. Why? So that we may stand out, or really, so that Christ stands out through us, to shine as lights in the world. It is not so much to bring us glory, but, but so that others will see us and then that they will make much of Jesus. So in my entire life, I have been in one physical fight, sort of. I have played basketball with some of you guys here at Bat Creek, and some of you know how I tend to play. I'm not a very good basketball player, but I play basketball like I play football. Sometimes I foul people, and most of the time it's not so much on purpose. I just get the ball, and then I take off towards the lane, and I kind of duck my shoulder a little bit and hope that everybody just clears out of the way so that I can make an easy shot. I am a natural football player, not so much basketball. All the way back in middle school, I still played basketball like this. And one day in gym class, I was playing basketball and I got the ball and I took off to the middle and there was this guy that is much, much smaller than I and he didn't get out of the way. And so I toppled right over this guy and he went flying, I made the shot, but then he jumped up and he started punching me. And it felt like he was punching me with all these little gnats. His fists were just flying and, and hitting me in the face. And I stood there as he was punching me. And eventually, I got tired of the gnats swarming around my head and I just pushed him away. And he went flying back and just at that very moment, the gym coach looked over, called us up, sent us both to the principal's office, and we were punished the way people were punished back then, and we were sent on our way. Later that day, a friend who was kind of a friend of both of ours came to me, and he asked, why didn't you hit him back? He's so much smaller than you, why don't you just haul off and punch him and it would have been done. And I remember thinking for a moment, I was a Christian back then. And I said, it must have been God. And then I began to tell him about Jesus. And this was the first time that I was able to share with somebody about who Jesus is, and I was able to pray with this person so that they might believe in Jesus Christ. Sometimes life is hard, but sometimes he uses those hard things for good things so that the world can see, so that the world can hear about him, and so that many, many in the world may fall in love with Jesus. In today's world, there are challenges. Challenges that God uses to bring holiness in everyday life. And a lot of those challenges today are becoming much more 
difficult than when I was growing up. In today's world, students are flooded with immorality. They are bombarded with meanness. Some of this meanness is face-to-face. Some of it's on the internet. Some of it's at school. Some of it's extracurricular activities. Some of it is people trying to make themselves look better, look stronger, feel better by putting others down in, in either public or private. And there are so many outlets in today's world for this kind of thing to happen. And then there's adult life, hard challenges, decisions to make, financial decisions, relational priority decisions, parenting decisions. In many of these decisions, there is a way to be God-honoring and there is a way to make things easier for ourselves. So why is this? It's because sin came into the world. And the consequences of sin is death and struggle. And the continual outworking of this is that right now we live in a crooked and twisted generation. Yes, eventually God will make it all right. He will make it completely new and totally restore it. But in the meantime, those of us who are to live holy lives lives that are completely different than the world and therefore shine as lights in the world for good. So how does God bring holiness? Eventually, God will make it all completely right and totally restore it in the new heavens and the new earth. But in the meantime... Those of us who are His are to live holy lives, lives that are completely different than the world, and therefore shine as lights in this world for God. So how does this holiness bring joy into our lives? This is my final question of how does holiness bring true joy? Most of us don't want or don't like being told to do this or don't do that. But we should remember that holiness is something different than just obedience. Just like joy is something different than just happiness. In both cases, there is something deeper, more ultimate, and more long-term that is happening. Let us look at the end of verses 15 through 18. You shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith. I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. In verses 17 and 18, who is experiencing joy and why? Paul says, even if I have to sacrifice for your faith, I am glad and have joy with you. And also, you have joy with me. So there is a mutual joy. 
between Paul and the church because they have benefited one another. They have done good and been good for each other. Paul has sacrificed for the people. And so the people continue in holiness, even while he was absent and through this twisted generation. Paul is is happy, joyful, because the people continue loving and serving Jesus. And the church takes joy also, not because Paul is suffering, but because God has worked incredible and awesome things through Paul. And also in the fellow members of the church. Today, God continues to be faithful and awesome at Bat Creek Church. God continues to be faithful and awesome in Charlotte, North Carolina. And God continues to be great and awesome all over the world. Though things have been very different, and in a lot of ways they have been way more difficult, there are things that we can now look at and we can know God is working right there. The fact that we have these tools available in order that we may continue meeting and and preaching the gospel. We have tools like YouTube and Facebook and and Instagram Live and, and Bible studies and small groups that can happen through tools like Zoom. And we can think about how many people could have possibly heard the gospel. Each Sunday, and we look back at this past Easter about how, how so many more people probably heard the gospel because so many churches had to figure out new ways to deliver this good news of Jesus Christ. God has been good. And this is just the short-term things that we can see God working at right now. But at the same time, We really have no idea. We have no idea the long-term good that God may bring through all of this. As a church, some of these new ways of doing ministry, they will continue. They will have to continue. And this will bring probably a much greater impact, not just now, but in the long term. And we will continue using these, not just for now, but forever and ever until Jesus comes back for all these things just as Paul rejoiced and the church of Philippi rejoices we have so much reason that we also rejoice because God is working in us he is working in us to bring about holiness he is working through the challenges that we are facing but all the things that he is doing are always good God is always good. So when I say God is good, you say all the time. God is good all the time. Let's close in prayer. Father, you are an incredible God. You are always awesome and you are always good. Lord, right now we face many challenges, Lord, and we know that you are working in those challenges to bring about holiness in our life. And we know that through that, that you will bring about joy in our hearts and our lives. Lord, we pray that you will help us to be faithful to you. Lord, that you will help us to love you well and to love others well. And that you will help us to rejoice. That you will help us to celebrate with one another, both now and in the day that we are able to return back in physical worship. 
We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.